Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special to the guest today. His name is Don Joseph Goway, and he's the executive director for the nonprofit Center for Spiritual Exchange, the official archive for works of Anthony DeMeo. Now, you might not have heard about Anthony DeMeo, but he is one of the prominent minds that is out there, or was one of the prominent minds out there about things that that fix yourself he you know he's the a prototype of people like Eckhart Tolle and Thomas More now Anthony DeMeo was a very prominent figure and he wrote a really interesting book called Stop Fixing Yourself Awake Up All Is Well now, why is that such an important thing? And how was Don involved? Well, Don was the editor for this book, and he knows more about the book than just about anybody. Welcome, Don. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me, Doctor. Well, what sort of insights does this unique work of art really have for everybody in this day and age? Well, I, I think that uh, it's for for all of us who struggle with finding happiness, you know, it's really hard to find a completely happy person. Um, when you do the social data, you look at the social data, it's only about 4% of the population um, that say that they're completely happy. And the irony is we were born happy. You know, we were born free, but we've become trapped in limited thinking. We we're born with an open heart that stress and fear so easily close. Uh, we were born gifted, gifted beings of a measurable worth, but we often feel that we're not good enough. And yet all the while, there's this divinity of joy within us, surrounding us, uh, that connects us with our higher nature uh, that would make our lives meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we've become blocked from seeing it. And what Anthony DeMello says, it's as if we've all been hypnotized, you know, dragged up on stage by a magician and hypnotized to see what is not there and not see what is there right, right in front of our, our nose. And so, you know, the question arises, well, how did this happen? Who hypnotized us? And yeah, that's answer, exactly what I was going to ask, Don, is where did it all go wrong? I mean, we were given all these gifts and all of a sudden it changed. Most people think they're to blame, that they're, they're nuts, they're crazy, there's something wrong with me. Um, but the fact, fact is, it's society, it's society, uh, the way in which society programmed us. They programmed that divinity of joy, that kingdom of joy, as Jesus call, call, called it, that we're all living in unsuspectingly, but they programmed us into having blinders to it, stamping into us the belief that, you know, happiness and self-worth are found out there in the world. And if we, you know, work long and hard enough, success will come. And out of that, happiness and fulfillment will follow. And 
almost everybody I know has swallowed that formula. And, you know, 10 years later, for the younger people, it happens even sooner. They, they come to realize that success has come to whatever degree that it's come, but it's lacking this feeling of fulfillment. It, you know, Tony um, says that that's failing at living, you know. Waking up is a realization that contrary to what society has taught us, has kind of pounded into us, nothing but absolutely nothing of the world can make us happy. And it's not that success is, is not important. Of course it is. But success is not the same as fulfillment. So fulfillment doesn't come from the world. You know, DeMello says happiness doesn't come from the world either. Not the radiant happiness you see in a child that's constant, that makes a person smile for no reason. You know, it, it radiates out of their heart. That happiness comes from within us. And the truth is, there's not a single moment in our lives when we don't have everything we need to be unconditionally happy. And the only reason we're ever unhappy is because we're focusing on what we don't have rather than what we have right here, right now. In this new book that I edited of Tony's, Tony DeMello's work, it's called Stop Fixing Yourself. Um, it helps you rediscover that truth about yourself, about what's already in you. And I think that's important. And I think that's a key message that um, the, it's not about you're broken in some way. It, it's not about that you need to be fixed. I, I think what you have to realize is you have to be happy with what you are and happy with the things that maybe don't work right and things that work right as well. Exactly. And it doesn't, you know, I, I like that statement you made that it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't mean that we're broken. You know, we're not broken. We're not some problem to be solved. We're okay. And if there's a problem, it's the way we've been programmed to believe that without this thing or this person or this outcome, we can't be happy. And it's a false belief. We don't acquire or earn happiness or peace. We have it already. So you just drop the false belief and the struggle with the world drops and that terrible fear of failure drops. And what you notice when you surrender to that, quietly surrender to that moment when it passes, when your fears pass, when your self-condemnation passes, what arises in its place is this feeling of peace, this feeling that all is well because you are, even if everything remains a mess. You know, you, you don't have to get all the ducks lined up perfectly before you're happy. You just, you just lean into it, relax into it, let go to it, and it will arise. You know, another big area that you focus on, sir, is stress and how to deal with stress. And I, I think it would really help our audiences in, in these stressful days to get a better understanding of that. Because I think stress is, is with us every day. And it's something that is ubiquitous and uh, people really need to get a better handle on, on that. And you have a, a pretty neat four-step process on helping to deal with that. Yes. You know, most people think stress is happening to them. You know, you, know, you look at the ep epidemic, um, but stress is actually happening in you. It's not in reality. It's in the way you're relating to reality. Um, Victor Frankl, 
in his wonderful book, Man's Search for Meaning, he said, when you uh, are confronted with something uh, you can't change, uh, then the challenge is to change yourself. And the first step is becoming aware of how you're blocked, becoming aware of how you've been programmed to upset yourself, to stress yourself. It's, you know, you look at the way that you've been put together. And if you do, if you do look at the way you've been put together and the way you function, you'll find that inside your brain, inside the whole neurocircuitry of your brain, there's a whole program that society indoctrinated into you that wired you for that um, consists of a set of demands about how the world should be, how you should be, and what you should want. And it's imperiously insisting that it's Demands be met by life, by people, by you. And if the demands are met, you, you know, your brain uh, allows you to feel some elation about that, some self-satisfaction. But of course, you know, it's, it's short-lived. Um, if, if they're not met, if these demands that we're imposing on ourselves and the world and, our, and the people around us, if they're not met, even though it's no fault of yours, your brain generates negative emotions that cause you to suffer. So in short, you're trained to upset yourself. That's stress. And for instance, when other people don't live up to your, to your brain's, your programmed expectation, it torments you with frustration, with anger, with bitterness, all very stressful emotions. When things are not under your control or the future looks uncertain, looks, looks dreary, your, compu your computer brain, it insists that you're ex you experience anxiety, you experience tension. You get worried, and then you expend a whole lot of energy coping with these negative emotions by extending even more energy, trying to rearrange the world around you so that the demands of your programming that have wired your brain will, will be met. And if that happens, again, you'll be granted some measure of precarious peace, but it's not real peace, because at any moment, you know, some trifle a plane delay, a smartphone or device that doesn't work, an email you've been waiting for that hasn't come, spot on your tie, you know, it's going to be out of conformity with your, with your brain's programming. And your brain's going to, particularly the, the fear center of your brain, the amygdala is going to insist that you become upset. And the way that it does that is it dumps stress hormones into your system. And all of this depends on the criteria society has established that you have bought hook, line, and sinker. We've all bought hook, line, and sinker. In other words, the way in which we stress all depends on the way we, we've been conditioned. It's actually called fear conditioning in neuroscience. And it becomes a way of life. It's a pathetic existence that, you know, constantly at the mercy of things and people as you try to make life conform to your to your the way your brain is demanding it conform so that you can enjoy the only peace that you'll ever know, which is just a temporary respite from negative emotions, a temporary respite from stress before the whole thing starts all over again. So how do we get control of all this process, Don? How do we begin to get control of it? Because yeah. Dr. you know, Anthony DeMeo has one path, you have some other paths. But, but let's give our, our audience some useful tips on how to get control of it. Well, the way we get control of it is we have to rewire our brain. And in the last 20 years, neuroscience has discovered that we're able to do that, that actually a change in experience 
brought on by a change in attitude actually changes your brain. A brain that's set on autopilot for stress changes to one that moves to that moves to the acquired place where you come into choice. You can begin to choose your own way, choose your own attitude, choose to be at peace while everybody else is is flailing. And how how do you do that? How do you rewire? How do you your brain? How do you get deprogrammed? In other words, and the answer is awareness. It's one thing. All the mystics, all the great saints. All the great psychologists are unanimous about is that change comes from awareness because what you're aware of, you control and what you're unaware of controls you. So again, it's an, it's enough for you to simply be watchful and aware. And through all that, all this neurotic uh, impulses that are running your life will drop and you'll begin to wake up. Awareness allows you to see and feel what's going on inside you that sabotages your happiness. You don't need to seek for happiness. You just need to seek for the ways in which you've been programmed to block it. You don't need to seek for love. You need to seek for the ways in which you've been programmed to block the presence of love in your life. The negativity, the upsets, the pessimism, the aggression, the competitiveness, the shame, the worthlessness, you need to bring those into awareness. Most people want to push them away. Most people want to repress them. So as you make these unconscious patterns conscious, they actually dissolve. All of psych psychotherapy is based upon that, that assumption. Uh, it's not even assumption anymore. It's definitive. So the first thing you need to do um, is be enter into the, step out of your comfort zone, you know, take the sheets that you've pulled over your head away and get in touch with negative feelings that you're usually not aware of, or as I said, that you tend to push away or repress and and you know, hurt feelings, feeling nervous, tense, stress, maybe even self-hatred. You, you know, you feel that life is pointless that it makes no sense. You know, just get in touch with those feelings, allow them, embrace them instead of resisting them. Observe the thoughts that you're thinking that produce the upsets that you're having. And then step back from it as if you were actually watching another person, get some objectivity, um, step back into this non-judgmental way of viewing it. But at the same time, allow yourself to feel the upset. And acknowledge the second step in the awareness process is just to acknowledge that this negative feeling, it's in you. It's not in reality. You know, if you're if you planned a picnic all week and on the day of the picnic, it rains um, and you get angry. Is the rain to blame you know, for your anger? No, it's it's you who are reacting angrily. So get in touch with that. This is this upsets in me, not in reality. I'm not to blame for it. It's my program programming work, you know, operating here. And so, and the third step is not to identify with that negative feeling. Don't judge it. That's your mistake. Don't say that I am depressed. Your brain takes that literally and it'll produce that experience for you. Or I am afraid. Your brain will deliver that for you. Instead, just say, look, depression's there right now. Anxiety is there right now, but not I am afraid. You're defining yourself in terms of that emotion, and you're far more than a single emotion. That's your illusion. That's your mistake. In no way does that feeling affect your essential self. You know, it's almost as if, like, if you threw black paint into the air, does the air become contaminated? No, the 
comes to the ground. You never color the air black. So no matter what happens to inside you, what's going on in you emotionally, your, your essential self remains uncontaminated. So there's depression there right now. There is worry right now. But let it be. Leave it alone. Just watch it. Own it. You know, it's in me, not in reality. And it will pass. And as you observe this negativity non-judgmentally without condemning yourself, um, what, you, what you notice is that it does pass. You might even not notice immediately that this thing that was, was about to torment you is, is now gone. But when you do notice it, you'll notice you're, you're free. You're in a, in a space of consciousness that feels absolutely free. And the prescription at that point is relaxed. Be quiet, be silent, be present here and now in this moment, let everything go and then watch what happens. And what will happen is this natural quality of happiness and peace and self-love will emerge in, in and of itself, all by itself, without any effort on, on your part. The Zen Buddhists call it effortless effort. Yes. And I, I think that is a state also where they they are trying or have referred to as a state of Zen, where a person gets in complete peace and being with everything around them. That's right. And, you know, you take somebody like Thich Nahan, uh, his, his, uh, his beautiful books about how we attain peace. And his, uh, his motto is make peace every step. Well, how do you do that? The first thing you have to do is you have to make awareness every step. So people you know, often ask me, how much during the day do I need to, to do this awareness thing? You know, and, how, and, and then for how long? How many months, weeks or whatever? And I say, you need to do it every day, all day long. And you need to do it for the rest of your life. But what you will find, it's not, it's not something you're actually doing. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way of being with yourself that get that is moving you in a direction of freedom instead of being enslaved by the stress and worry and fear and depression that's going that's, that we've been programmed to 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 experience when the world doesn't you know bend in our direction kind of thing, and so it's it it becomes your way of life. And but I do tell people that if you do this. You do this for two weeks, you get started, you'll quickly see results. You know, in a very short period of time, the quality of your, your life will change. You'll see it. You'll see that you're different. You're responding to life differently. You are, you're much more alive. You're, you're less subject to being pulled down by, by old, this old programming in you. Your, your eyes open to the truth that, uh, that everyone everywhere searching for, namely that, that fountainhead of peace and joy that, that hides in every human heart. It's not hiding anymore. It's, it's your experience. And, you know, of course, the upsets will still keep coming. You know, what gets wired into your brain, your brain hangs on to, but it's not so reactive. You know, it's dimmed down. So depending on the depth of your programming, you know, uh, the upsets will come. But I can assure you that I haven't known a single person who gave time to being aware in the way that we just talked about that didn't experience greater and greater freedom, increasing freedom as they worked with, with this process, with this practice. 
you know, you being that person that's searched out a lot of meaning in life and you've led, uh, you know, as, as head of a department of psychiatry and things like that, you've obviously uh, done some things to help others and, and help yourself along the way. So I'm going to turn the chair on to you for a minute and the spotlight on to you and ask you, how do you have a fantastic life? How do you use these principles to have a fantastic life yourself, sir? Well, you know, like so many people, I, I came to this awakening, if I could call it that. You know, awakening is something that people think is a once and for all kind of thing. It, it's an here and now kind of thing, you know, you awaken here and now. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're dragging the past into it and the future into it. And then you get yourself free from it. And now you're, you're, wake, you're waking up. And when you wake up, when you're in the present moment, it becomes obvious to you that all is well. But I came into this work, this field that I call psycho-spirituality. That's what it is called. The hard way, you know, I came to this work. Uh, because of a brain tumor. Years ago, I experienced what you might call a perfect storm of stress. I, I lost uh, an executive level job at Stanford University Medical School that I devoted a decade to climbing the career ladder to reach. And nine days after that, I was diagnosed with this brain tumor that the doctors warned was gonna leave me disabled and potentially unable to work again. And I was married, I had four children, and my marriage was in trouble because I had devoted myself stressfully to my career, more to my career than my family. So suddenly my life was coming apart at the seams and it seemed there was nothing I could do to stop the impending catastrophe. Well, I had to wait six weeks for the surgery. And the first two weeks were just really emotionally painful. You know, with the rumination, every night I would wake up at three in the morning and stare out that window looking out into the cold, dark night, terrified of what was going to happen to me and my family. You know, we were headed for homelessness. And then one night, I reached a point where I seriously questioned, which was worse, the, you know, the dire problems the doctors predicted that, that, you know, could be my fate, or the object fear that was happening in me every day, every second of every day over that last two weeks. And the answer was clear to me, the fear I was in was worse. You know, that was, that was, that was happening. This bone chilling fear I experienced, it was consuming me. It was depleting the strength I knew I needed to get through this thing. And so for the next half hour, I used process very similar to the awareness process that I just uh, gave your audience, um, which was to diligently be aware of every fearful, painful thing I thought. And in a way, not to be afraid of being afraid, willing to feel and observe the thoughts driving my emotional reactions and seeing them isn't in me, not necessarily in reality. And to my amazement, what I saw was that when I embraced the pain, the fear, the worry, it passed. When I embraced it and owned it in that way, it passed and experience released relief, like I, like I hadn't experienced at all in not just in the last two weeks, but in years, I recognized that I'd been afraid for a long, long time. Um, so I made up my mind right in there that I was going to be aware in this way. 
And right up to the point of, that I had surgery, I didn't really believe one fearful thought that I was thinking. I certainly had them, but I brought them into awareness. I let them pass. And when I showed up for a surgery, um, I was kind of in a state of bliss. You know, I was in a state of, of just inf almost infinite trust uh, in, in myself, in life, in God. And um, the surgery was a complete success. It actually made medical history. And, uh, and I stayed at Stanford. I even, even got my job back at Stanford. Uh, one guy in the department of psychiatry heard about this guy with this tremendous attitude. And he said, I want this guy on my team. I want him. We need his attitude. And, uh, and about five years later, I shifted and I, I went to work at the Center for Attitudinal Healing. And we worked with people facing catastrophic life events. It was an incredible staff of people. They eventually ended up winning the American Medical Association's Excellence in Medicine Award for the things that they did. And, um, and I've been on this path ever since. Uh, I think you, uh, you epitomize one of my statements that I say over and over again. You know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. It's how you live your life and how you really allow yourself to live the life that's there. And, and that's why I had invited you on the show today, Don, because I think you can enhance people's lives through the things that you've gone through and the path that you've taken along the way. Uh, well, thank you very much. You know, we're all students and teachers to each other. This morning, my wife uh, read me uh, uh, something I she's got in an email, I guess, of a woman who um, is paralyzed and um, needs a lot of support and care of other people. And, and one day she, she had um, nobody was there to take care of her. And um, she began to have a panic attack because she had a need. I don't remember what her need was, but she had some kind of need that needed to be addressed and she couldn't address it because of her paralysis and she began to have a panic attack and she just allowed it. She used this process. She's, she's a Buddhist. So she used this process in her own Buddhist way of being aware of allowing it, of breathing with it, of understanding this is a reaction. This is not, I'm not necessarily threatened in any life threatening way and it will pass and it passed. And she said it fortified for her, her inner strength, the power of her own inner strength, even though she can't move her body. And she said it gave her a great deal of joy. Well, just reading that was, was a tremendous teaching for me. It was a reinforcement of that teaching. And I think, you know, the truth is, is what Ram Das says, we're all just walking each other home. You know, one day you're the teacher and I'm the student because I, I need to listen. The next day, I'm the teacher, you're the student. Um, and as we go along like that, we help each other get home. Yes, and I think that's rather important. And I think what you're saying is, is what people have to take the message. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Don Joseph Goway, a truly amazing individual. Uh -huh. Don, how can get people get in touch with your book or get in touch with you if they'd like to? The name of the book is Stop Fixing Yourself. Uh, it's by Anthony DeMello, D-E-M-E-L-L-O. You can get it at Amazon. It's been out now for more than six months. It's sold very well. 
Um, but they've dropped the price. You know, they usually drop the price. So now's a good time to buy it. It's a great gift. It's a beautifully published book, by the way. It's hardback and lovely paper. The publisher really did a lovely job. So it's a great gift, Christmas gift. And if you want to know more about DeMello and, and, and these things that we were talking about today, you can go to DeMelloCenter.com. Uh, there's videos of Tony DeMello speaking to, to groups. There's uh, blogs. There's podcasts. There's all kinds of, of, of material there. There's also a, a, um, a thing you can sign up for to get the thought of the day from Anthony DeMello emailed to you every day. And they're wonderful thoughts. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you like this episode today, could you please like it and pass it along to your friends? And that way we can get more followers and make this a bigger splash. Thank you, sir. Have a fantastic day. You do the same. Thank you. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Oh, 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 oh